Sister Kanita Benson. Praise the Lord. Amen, 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 amen. I'm so glad the Lord decided to come to church today. Amen. Merciful Jesus. Wonderful Jesus. Amen. Amen. Turn in your copy of the Word of God to Luke chapter 9. And we want to read in your hearing, beginning in the 57th verse. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that, that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and you preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Father, we love you, we thank you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name, the church said amen. 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 Praise God. As we continue our series of sermons, I've entitled Disciple Shift. Disciple Shift. We want to be a church that, like the, the tribe of Issachar, the Bible says that they understood the times and they knew what to do, but it doesn't say they did what they understood to do. It was said of Paul and Silas that they were guilty of turning the world upside down for Christ. And so what we want to be able to do is to understand the times and know what to do while at the same time turn the world upside down by not simply being a church that is being discipled, but a church that is a disciple-making church. There are only two things in the world that are going to last throughout eternity, and as much as you love your wife and your family, uh, that is not an eternal relationship, I'm sorry to say. But the souls of men and women, the Bible says, what shall it profit a man if you gain the entire world and you lose your eternal soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And then Jesus speaking about the perfect law, the impeccable law, the infallible, immutable law. He says, earth and heaven shall pass away before one jot or tittle of the word of God shall fail. And so today I want to turn our attention to Luke chapter 9. And as I was preparing the message, I thought about one of my favorite pastime hobbies uh, when I am able to watch television, uh, just for hobby's sake, I enjoy watching crime-solving programs. 
um, the investigative type where somebody has been um, murdered. I'm sorry, it sounds a little morbid, I'm sure. Uh, but uh, the investigators, the forensic investigators, one of the first things that they do after they have uh, taped off the area or uh, after they come to the crime scene, uh, they try to retrace uh, the events that have transpired that has left or led to the demise of a person or persons. And sometimes people in their efforts to cover their tracks, uh, they do a thorough cleaning of the area where the crime actually occurred. And so with the natural eye, some of the things that are evidence of a crime that has occurred are not seen. And so they will use a chemical called luminol. Luminol. And luminol is a chemical that adheres to uh, surfaces, and you have to spray it evenly. I'm a crime investigator because I've watched a couple programs. <laughs> but you can't see the effect of the luminol until you turn the lights out. And what the luminol does, it manifests wherever there is blood trace evidence. You got 30 seconds to photograph it. And what the investigators are able to determine is where the, the actual uh, crime started, and uh, they can tell by the, 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 the splattering of the blood, uh, different things. And, and so they're looking for the evidence that will help them to conclude what actually occurred and why it might have occurred, and then ultimately uh, who's responsible so that someone can be brought to justice. Amen? Some of you watch those programs, and uh, don't go and try to buy no luminol. <laughs> amen, amen. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a product on the market that would help you to, like luminol, spray on people so that you could determine what their real agendas are. That, 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 that you know, you know, Bible says, the, the outward man, man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at his heart. So that, that would allow you not to invest hours of your time and, and, and have these, what you think are honest exchanges and conversation, and, and you really think they're telling you what's on their heart and what they're really about and what they really want, when the truth is smiling faces tell lies. We all come to church with different, for different reasons. Uh, Ultimately, when you talk to people, they say, I came because they preached the word there, and, or some other, my friend is here, and, and that's why I came. And So we all have, but when you talk about agendas, one of the things that keeps the church and Christians from ever realizing their full potential in the Lord is 
that our purposes are not God's. The Bible says many are the plans in, that are in the hearts of man, but the purposes, the will of God is what ultimately will be accomplished because God is the one who's ultimately in control. And so what I want to talk about today is the fact that if you really are following Jesus as a true disciple, you're going to deal with hidden agendas. And when you, when you can identify your real motive, what, what really gets you to do what you're doing and, and the question of why, because the Bible says all of our works are going to be tried according to what sort there are, they, 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 they are, if they're wood, stubble, or hay, or precious stone, or silver. And, and what the Bible is saying is that one day, God is not going to be so much concerned about what you did. He's going to be checking out your agenda your motives. True disciples deal with hidden agendas. You can't go anywhere if you are married to someone and you and that person that you are espoused to, that you are supposed to be one with spiritually, if you have two separate agendas. God says, how can two walk together unless they agree? A house that is divided against itself cannot stand. But ultimately, in many marriages that that, that never actually excel into a level of intimacy, it's because the husband and wife have two separate agendas. One of the things that we discover in the Word of God, that on many occasions Jesus would be in a situation uh, where the woman uh, who had the, 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 the seven demons, she's Mary Magdalene, she's washing the feet of Jesus, and the, the Pharisees who invited Jesus in, they're thinking, if he knew what kind of woman this was. Now, they never verbalized what they were thinking, but the Bible says he knew their thoughts. Jesus didn't need luminol, <laughs> but he knew their thoughts, and he knew their motives. I want you to understand, for whatever reason that you're here today, I praise the Lord that you're here, but God can mark you absent if you're here for the wrong reason. And while you shook my hand and gave me an embrace, that doesn't mean that you're spiritually present. What it does mean is that the God who knows your heart and your thoughts has taken inventory. And if we are ever going to be what we have been called to be, we need to check our agenda. Our agenda should match up with his. And we're going to talk about his apostle. This one thing I do of all the things that I've done and everything that I've accomplished. And he said, by the way, all the things that I thought were important were the very things that were keeping me from the one thing that I needed most. I needed Jesus. And so he said, I'm chasing after him that I might apprehend him as I have already been apprehended by him. I'm chasing. I'm chasing. I want to know him the way he knows me. Our agenda ought to be his. You'll know no true satisfaction until you are on one accord with the Lord, on one accord with the Lord. Now, let me clarify what the singular agenda of every true disciple of Christ should be. It's actually one agenda with two 
two aspects or two sides of the same coin. Uh, it, it is, it is uh, two focuses. One, it's one agenda, two sides of the same coin. The first is the mandate. In Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, here's the mandate. Here's our agenda. Go into the world and what? Make taste, make disciples, teaching them to observe all the things that you like. All the things that are a part of your church tradition. All the things that are going to help you accomplish your objectives. So teaching them to observe everything that I have taught you. And he says, lo, I am with you. I often think of that as God giving, Jesus giving us comfort that he's with us to protect us. But you know, he said, no, I'm with you watching over my mandate. When you start slipping and sliding with your own, I am there. I am with you. And the second side of the same coin, the mandate, when we follow it, it becomes a movement. Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. When, so when I'm obeying the mandate to go and make disciples, that obedience leads to a movement that turns the world upside down. That's how a church becomes a movement. Unfortunately, what happens in churches, we go from being a movement to a, to a monument that we're admiring, and then the monument becomes a mausoleum, and the mausoleum becomes a memorial. And so we, we are celebrating what we were, but it's dead, but we're remembering doing this in remembrance of what we were. And so the mandate, we need to have the same agenda. I want you to understand, church, we need to, we need to tighten up the spiritual belt. We are in spiritual warfare. When, we, when this church makes our focus to be disciple makers, we become a target because we are unique because God's church, unfortunately, is not doing the mandate and that's why we don't have a movement. Somebody say amen. Are you with me? Now, there are four types of agendas that may be represented in this congregation today. That The thing with Jesus, Jesus didn't pull punches. He wasn't politically correct. He talked to the Pharisees. He says, you're white, open graves. You dress nice, but you got dead bones in your life. You, you, you smell like a corpse. He said, you're hypocrites. Every time Jesus had an encounter when he went to church, he got into a fight with the people that were trying to protect their power and prestige. Jesus was honest. And I'm not saying we should just tell people they're hypocrites and fakes and go get saved. Uh, we should be saying the truth, the Bible says. Speak the truth in love. Too often we are afraid to tell the truth. We need to call things what they are when they are what they are. Somebody say amen. Come on now. Amen. I'm almost about to preach here. Amen. So there, there are four types of individuals who have various agendas, and I want to know if any of these are yours, if yours don't match the mandate in the movement. The first group in verse 57 and 58, listen to what the Word of God said. Now it happened that 
they, surged, they journeyed with, on the road, they, the disciples, and, and others, that someone said to him, Lord, curios, I will follow you wherever you go. And what's interesting is the person is not identified. The name is not given. He's anonymous. Put your name there if this group's agenda matches yours. This is the lip service agenda. He said, I will follow you, not just to church next Sunday, but wherever you go, Jesus. Now, be mindful of the fact this is a public pledge to a private person. Public, there was a group. The pledge, I will, to a private person, Jesus, wherever you go. I want you to understand what this man said was impressive and commendable. And I don't know if you've ever said that. And Jesus actually was speaking of the religious leaders in Matthew chapter 15. He said, this people draw near unto me with their lips, their mouths, but their heart, their agenda, their intentions is far from me. And here's how you know, because what they're teaching for a doctrine is not the, the, the correct unadulterated, infallible word of God. They're teaching as a doctrine the traditions of man and making the commandments of God of none effect. One of the things with lip service Christians or professing Christians is that they will make their agenda take precedence over the word of God. I want you to understand uh, what the, <coughs> that, that the Bible has a lot to say about the words that come out of our mouths. I will follow you, and I want you to know that when we make a vow, in the book of Numbers it says, if you make a vow to the Lord, your God, do not be slow to pay it, for the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and of sin you will be guilty, but if you refrain from making a vow, you will not be guilty. Whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do because you made your vow freely to the Lord, your God, with your mouth. How many of you know words count? Your words should be your bond. If you say you're going to do something, I was thinking about this. I was just thanking the Lord that at this time in my life, one of the things that I can say that is true about how I've grown in Christ, if I tell you I'm going to do something, even if I say I'm going to get you a gift, it may come a little late, but I'm going to keep my word. And so the Lord said, when you make a, a public pledge to God that you're going to do something, when you say like this person said, I will follow you wherever you go, the scripture says there's a consequence. I am going to hold you account for your word because not to keep your word is a lie and therefore it's sin. When you don't do what you say that you're going to do, you make a pledge and you don't keep it, 
it's a lie. And God says, Jesus, God says, I'm going to hold you accountable. Some of you made this mistake. You, you know, you can get into an argument with people these today, and you don't know that as you're talking with them, they're taping them, ta- photograph, they're, 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 they're videotaping everything you say. And so they have audio of what you said and a video of how you acted when you said it. So you're saying, well, uh, and I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and don't you understand who I am? I go to that church, but you gonna, I ain't always been saved, and there's a carnal side of me, and you don't want that to rise up. But let me just tell you this, that, and the other. That person can take what you said publicly and pledge that you're going to do to them as a private citizen and press charges against you because what you say It matters. It's legally binding. We understand that. So when you you tell the Lord, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, and you don't keep your word, God says you're guilty of lip service, and there's a consequence. Sometimes we just say stuff. We sign our check, our names to stuff that we can't pay. But God still holds us accountable, even though you got away with it. Nobody said anything to you. It, it, it still bounced. And so this man said, I'll follow you. Now, notice how Jesus responded to this man's pledge. He said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man does not have anywhere permanently to lay his head. Now, What was significant about Jesus' response is this. The common belief of those who followed Christ was that when Messiah comes, he will deliver us from bondage. And what what the enemy has stolen, God's going to take it back and give it to us so we can do to the enemy what they did to us. So they were looking for fame and fortune, looking for Jesus, we've left all to follow you now. <laughs> okay, you talking about going to Jerusalem, and you talking about some, some kind of dying. I don't know what all that means, but it sounds like it's about time for us to cash in on this thing. And so commonly when we think about joining church and be following Jesus, that means healthy, wealthy, and happy. Name it, claim it. God wants you happy. No, Jesus didn't die to make you happy. He died to make you whole. He didn't die to make us feel good. He he died that we might walk by faith. And so, but the common belief is when you're following Jesus, you're not going to get sick. You won't ever have any money problems. Your family's going to all walk around with halos. The devil is a liar. Jesus said they hated me. And if you follow me, guess what? They're going to hate you, too. Wow, you are in the world. Last I know, we're in the world. Last I know, the Bible says that all of creation in this sin-cursed world is yearning for deliverance. This world is not my home. I'm not exempt, but praise be to God, prayer works. Somebody say amen. But the common belief is you follow Jesus, 
Jesus said to his disciples when they were arguing, the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, the sons of, uh, of Thunder, the hell racers, the tough guy. I could just see them pulling up to Jesus on their motorcycle. <laughs> follow me. And they get off their motorcycles and, and they follow Christ. And they're probably the biggest dudes in the, in, in the group the, out of the 12. And Jesus is talking about the kingdom. And, and so these great hulk, hulking men, you know, they're they about to talk to Jesus. No, they send their mama. And here's what mommy does. She, she has a, 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 her agenda appears that she came to worship Christ. Because the Bible says she bowed down and she began to worship him. And he said, oh, come on, what do you really, what is this really about? She said, well, you see these boys, these fine, these fine boys. James and John, these mighty men that I have to speak for, and they, they, they kind of hide behind my apron, but that, that don't mean nothing. When you get into your kingdom, Jesus, would you make sure that one of I don't care which one, but one of them sits on your right side and the other's on your left. And then Jesus said, do you really understand what that means? Do you understand that that means you're going to partake of the cup that I'm going to drink from? Oh, yeah, we can handle that, Jesus. He said, you surely will. You're going to get a taste of this. And then when the other 11, the other 10 heard, they said, well, we're going to pray for these brothers. They're so carnal. They're so unspiritual. All they're thinking about is what they can get. Their agenda is all jacked up. Jesus wasn't telling us about that the whole time you were teaching us. Bible said they became indignant, and they came, they, the, that word actually had, they came to the place, almost to a place of blows, throwing blows, and then Christ said, what's the problem? They didn't say, he said, but he knew their hearts. He threw that supernatural luminol on them, <laughs> and then he says, let me, let me explain something to you. The first shall be and the last, the kingdom, the, the priority in the kingdom is not a struggle for the top. It's a struggle for the bottom. It's not seeking to be served, but it's to serve others. Now, when Jesus said the foxes have holes and the birds have nests, he wasn't saying, if you're following me, you got to be homeless. No, 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 no. He wasn't saying you need you, that everybody's going to be homeless, but what he is saying is, is that the conveniences of the home that you think you're going to get because you're following me is not, at, not necessarily so. You may be without a home if you identify with me. You will be uncomfortable if you follow me. You will have some sleepless nights because not because you are afraid, but because you are interceding on behalf of those who God has put on your heart. That's why you're walking the floor. Since the foxes have holes and birds have nests, but if you think you're signing up for fun and games to be a Christian, let me just hurry up and get there early because the praise and worship starts at 849. And man, somebody's going to get slain today. I just know it was Sister Benson last week, and now it's going to be Sister Washington. And, oh, come on, man, I don't want to miss none of that show. 
she said, no, if you're following me to be comfortable, you picked the wrong team. You need to get off the bus. Too many of us are more interested in being comfortable than really what it means to follow Jesus. If the Lord caused your life to be inconvenient, would you still follow him? If you had to get up a little earlier to pick somebody up to bring them to church, would you still follow him? If you had to allow somebody to talk and say some unkind things to you, and you can't even retaliate, you can't even put your hand on your head, you don't even want to say, they just, let them just get the hand on the hip and get the finger. No, you, you can't do that because the Bible says a soft answer. And so that first group, lip service. A lot of people are like, oh, you, you can count on me if you ever need something, just call me. <laughs> you call them, their number's been disconnected, changed. They relocated, then changed their Facebook profile. <laughs> but then there's another group. There's a second group. Look at verse uh, 60. It's 60. Uh, uh, starting with 59, you with me? He said, then he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my dad. Let me bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury his own, their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. This group is the later is better than never. We'll get serious. Not now. Not now, Jesus. So notice that when Jesus said this to the second person, the first person approaches Christ, can I follow you? And I'll go wherever you want. The second person, Jesus approaches, and he gives a direct command. Follow me. And when the Lord gives us a command, he's not asking for a conference. Let's talk about this. Let's process this. Uh, let's get a team on this. We need a consensus. No, 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 just gave him a direct command, which required an immediate response of obedience. And of course, like most, or like some, he had an excuse. Now, if the Lord commands you to do something, and it's intended for you to do it right now, he already knows our situations. He illumined all, all of our situations. But he made the excuse. He said, let me, let, me, let me do something that's very sacred, very important. I want to go. Notice the order of the sentence. He said, let me go and bury my dad. Later, better than never. He was the let me go. The emphasis on let me go. And when my dad dies, I'll bury him. His father wasn't dead. Probably wasn't even sick. We well, say, look, this is Jewish culture. If you leave your dad's house before he dies, you can forfeit your inheritance. You ain't going to get your insurance money. 
So said, let me go back and wait until dad is only 60 years old and dad could live another 30, 40 years. But when he dies and I cash, when I cash that check, When I get this overtime, when I finally get the car I always wanted, when I get to move in the neighborhood I always desired, when I finally get married, then I'll get serious. Because, you know, the Bible says two is better than one. How can I serve the Lord seriously and I don't have nobody? Um, when, I, when all that happens, I'll serve you. Just not now. How many of us have put the Lord on hold? We getting around to it. I mean, after all, we read our Bibles. There was a time I never read my Bible. I, I read my Bible once a month now. And every time I come to church, and God ought to be impressed. I gave a tithe last year. A tithe. But when I get a better job, you're going to be just as stingy with the Lord as you are right now because he who is faithful over a little. I remember telling the Lord that I was a single parent, three kids, driving around in cars that were like the Flintstones. You know, you put your legs on, the, you run in the car. <laughs> I had a different color fender. We had a pacer, a tan fender, a blue fender, all glass. We're driving up 52nd in Lancaster, and we hit a, a, a trolley track, and the whole gas tank ripped. <laughs> and we're just sitting there with the gas leaking out. All three kids. What are we going to do, Dad? I think we just got out and walked away. <laughs> that car may still be there as far as I know. <laughs> I had every excuse under the sun why I could not tithe. I will, Lord, but you understand. I'm a single parent. You understand. Look what I'm driving. You understand that this thing is hard, but I was tithing. Every time a car broke down, every time somebody got sick and I didn't have money, God was getting his. He, I was not, I just wasn't doing it voluntarily. He says, let the dead bury the dead. Oh, how cold. Jesus is saying, leave a corpse of your father or your mother and just let him just run. No, 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 he's not saying. He is saying you are focused on temporary, transitory, earthly things. He said, let those who are, whose focus is on the here and now, cash in here on this earth. Let them take care of people like them. But you make your focus the eternal. That ought to be our priority, not cashing in. Not what we drive, not who, what people think about us and say about us. Not the title behind our name. We should be focused on serving him now. Lord, let me go and bury the dead. Lord, let me get this mortgage paid. Lord, let me catch up on my bills. The reason you're not caught up is the Lord is cursing your finances. You got a person, you put it in, he cut a hole in it. 
And then you sold the purse up, and then as soon as you opened the purse, he said, I blew on it, and it blew away. And then you finally got a little savings, and then somebody sent a coronavirus, and now your, your, your 401k is going crazy. Their agenda was not the Lord's agenda. We'll serve you later, God. Oh, we go to church two hours a week. God ought to be happy with me. He ought to be impressed. I was in the place. Church ain't for God. It's for you. The Bible says you come to be equipped to do the work of the ministry. You getting blessed. It's like you taking that car that God blessed you with and, and that you were steward over. The gas station is to put fuel in the, in the tank so you can use the car. This is the fueling station so you can get fuel for your spiritual life so that you can walk out what you learned to live here. Work out your own soul salvation, the Bible says, in fear and in trembling because he who begun a good work in you. He's already done the work in you. Somebody say amen. That's the later is better than never. Does that describe you? Are you all in? On what? The mandate of the Lord. Go and make disciples, teaching them to do what? Observe what? All the things. Man, we studied that for a whole 40 days. Remember that was our verse? Go, follow me, and make, I'll make you what? Fishers of men. Fishers of men, disciple makers. That's the movement. The mandate is go and make. The movement is as you're going, the world is changing. Somebody say amen. Is that your agenda? You can, you can praise the Lord when that's your agenda, when you and him are walking in step one with another. He said that the steps of a good man, when they are ordered by the Lord, and even when you fall, he says you shall not utterly be cast down because he's upholding you in his hand. You just need to get in step with the Lord's mandate. And as you in his mandate, he said, my word will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. I will order yours. There's another group in here, not just the later is better than never, and the lip service crew. Let's look at the last group, the third, the third group. Look at verse 61. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are in my house. And Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the looking back group. Looking back. Now, again, he made the request to follow Christ. And he said, Lord, I just want to have another trunk party. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. I just want to have one more last birthday party. You know how we do it in the bench. Ah, it's my birthday. Now let's just let me go back and say goodbye to everybody. He didn't say that was a problem. 
What Christ had a problem with, he says, no one having put his hand to the plow. This was a person who, was, who had already started, but now I'm looking back. This is, a, this is a joker that got one foot in the world and the other foot, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. And the other foot in the church. This is the backslider guy. Backslide, there are different categories of Christians. There's the, first there's the new, there's the, there's the baby Christian. The Bible says that newborn babies decide to send them milk. There's somebody freshly entered into the kingdom of God. They just got saved. And they're the most vulnerable in the church. That's why the, baby, the Bible said, be on guard for your devil who's the adversary is roaming to and fro throughout the earth to seek who he may what? And who is he after? He's after the new Christians. After them. So there's the baby Christian, and then there's the carnal Christian, the sarconos, the fleshly, the worldly, in his thoughts and, and, and actions. You, you look at the carnal Christian, you question if they're even saved, because they're always, uh, they should be eating milk, but they're on, they're on Gerber's. They're competitive. They're contentious. You say sit, they say now. You say run, they say now. They're jealous. So you have the carnal Christian, and then you have the backslidden Christian. That's the person who may come to church every Sunday, but you're living like the devil, and your heart is turned cold towards God. And every now and then you feel something, but for the most part, you're living like somebody who never came to the Lord. And then there's the spiritual Christian. The Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians, uh, Corinthians 2, verses 15 and 16, they're the ones who have the ability to discern the thoughts of God because they have exercised their thoughts through the word of God to discern good from evil. That's what the Bible talks about spiritual Christian. So here's, here, here's a good, an example of these, of these categories. The carnal Christian has the same heavenly father. They're in the middle of 95, and a truck is coming. And the God, the whole God, the Holy Spirit said, get out the street. Carnal Christian said, I'm calculating. Well, I think I can do it if I. So they, they get out of the street, but they, 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 they like a turtle. They just barely get missed from being hit. And then you have the backslider. You have the one who's looking back. This one that Jesus is saying, I want to go back. I want to taste a little bit more. I mean, I didn't get all this sin out of me. I'm gonna get all, when I get all this lust out of me, then I'm going to get married. When I lay all the women, lay down with all the women I can lay down, I'm going to get so tired of it, then I'm going to get married. Then you're going to be wiped out and have nothing to give to a woman. 30-year-old men, impotent. And done everything under the sun. Now you're going to get married to somebody? Okay. That's, what, that's extra. But anyway, <laughs> so, the, so the backslidden Christian, the Holy Spirit says, truck, get out of the way. You're going to get killed. Instead of the backslider slowly walking away from the truck, they run in the direction of the truck. They have turned their attention and thought so far from God. And that's the trick of the devil. He's not, you see, once you get saved, he can't take your salvation. We are kept unto the day of redemption by the power of God. We were never saved by works. If we were, then we could lose our salvation. But we've been saved by grace through faith, that not of ourselves. Well, if the devil can get you looking back, if he can get you thinking that it was better for you when you were unsaved, 
All you need is a few friends. No, you don't need a new friend. You need the friend whose name is Jesus. Too many Christians looking back. When my seminary buddies, he would be, we all have to give our testimony. And he stand up. He, he says, really? You talk about somebody who had the gift of the command of human, the English language. This dude could, oh, man, he was so eloquent. But he stole every sermon he ever preached. <laughs> right out of the book, but he could say it in a way that you thought he, he'd been into the very uh, uh, Mount Sinai. He would get up and he'd give his testimony. He'd spend 15 minutes. Man, I had palm trees. They just reflected off the side of my house. And I had this long uh, Buick Tucson or whatever. And man, you'd be looking at all, this, all the things that he did when he was unsaved. And then he'd come to the end and I got saved. And he'd sit down. <laughs> 15 seconds of his testimony, I got saved. And he'd sit down. I want you to know too many of us, we're reading too much Google. We, we, we're experts on the things of the world. We don't know the word of God. No, we haven't gone out and gotten drunk and committed adultery or this thing. But we are, we are adulterous in our lack of faith because we place the knowledge of man and the, man and the words of man above the word of God. Yeah. Yeah. He said, anybody who's looking back, Paul says, let me tell you, let me understand something. He says, I forget those things which are behind. Some of them are good, and some of them weren't so good, and some of them were terrible. But he said, but this one thing, he said, I press. I am straining. I'm giving every effort to make my only focus. Jesus. Jesus. I was talking to Vincent Will yesterday. I said, man, sometimes my, what, the, what I get attacked by the devil will bring thoughts to my mind about things I could have done, but I didn't do. Because I didn't know I could have did it. Isn't that a trick of the devil? What in the world? And I, and I, and I, all I can say, Lord, thank you that I didn't have sense enough to try it. Because I'm already messed up. I don't know what I would be if God allowed me. to. Do, I, I don't know about you, but if I had done some of the things that I could have done, now, this was even before my parents, my mom and dad, they just taught me to respect older people. I didn't know they were dirty old ladies and dirty old men. I didn't understand that. But I respected no matter what. And so God prevented me. So I don't need to look back. While I'm looking back, I can't experience the blessing of the present. And if I'm not enjoying what the Lord is doing for me in the present, he is providing my daily bread. But not only will he provide my daily bread, he said, nothing good will I withhold from you if you walk uprightly. I'm not going to have a regret agenda, a looking back agenda, a Christian on Sunday but a hypocrite Monday through Saturday. Jesus said, anyone who started plowing the field, walk, working for me, that's what a disciple is. Someone who has, Jesus said, follow me, I'll make you fishermen. Someone who's made a decision with his head or her head to give Jesus their heart, he will make us internally conform to his image, disciples, and you're surrendering your hands to him. You've given Jesus your head, 
your heart and your hands. That's what a disciple is. Stay with me. We're going to finish with this. We're almost done. This is the emotional driven agenda. And when you get a chance in Luke chapter 14, verses 27 through 33, we're not going to look at all those verses. Amen. Okay. Amen. Praise the Lord. The emotion driven agenda. These are Christians who live in their feelings. God help us. I remember pastor, uh, it's been about 14 years now, and he stood up and he preached a sermon about their church moving. They had like $2.5 million in the bank, and the sermon was entitled, We've Been Around This Mountain Too Long. He was telling the church, we got to move. That every time it rains, the church floods. It just hadn't floated away yet. And 14 years from that day, that, that pastor's still in that same building. They're still there. Now, he ain't living bad. He, he living comfortable. They got that, a lot of money in the bank, but they, haven't, they never did anything with it. The people got, oh, man, that was one of the greatest sermons I ever heard. People were high five, running around, hooks, ah, hallelujah, my God. <laughs> All that emotionalism didn't lead to a single decision that would move them away from that site that was an eyesore to the Lord. The Bible talked about the Jews. They had a zeal. You got a lot. You're going to leave. Oh, I had a great summer today. Wasn't it great? God is good all the time. And, and, and five minutes later, you're cussing somebody out. Emotions. God said that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperate. He don't want us to live in our feelings. Somebody say amen. Now, he says, here's what has to happen. He says, unless you're prepared to take up your cross and to follow me and to count the cost, that ain't no feeling. You don't get no tingling. I got to pick up my cross today. Oh, I'm going to suffer for Jesus today. I'm going to deny myself today. I can't wait. What can I say no to my flesh? Nobody's jumping, signing up for that. And so Christ talked to the multitude. He says, following me is not about being in your feelings. Because there ain't no pleasure in being on, taking up a cross. The cross is a place of death. Dying to yourself. What have you died to lately? What's different about you that makes you more like Jesus? As a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a worker. And so he said, first of all, here you go. This is not emotion. You're going to have to bear your cross. My cross is not yours. And bearing your cross is not that you got up an hour early to come to church. That's not cross-bearing. <laughs> You're going to do that tomorrow and get paid. And think nothing of it other than they better pay me. And so he says, he says you got to count the cost. Who builds a building and gets started without calculating whether or not you got enough to finish? are prepared to go into a battle and you're three times outnumbered and you're going to get smashed, but before you go into war, you can negotiate if you count the cost. And so he's saying, this is not about, if your agenda is to come to, man, I can't wait to get my praise on. 
God. Oh, God. I got me a new shell. I'm going to go backwards this Sunday. I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to da, 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 da. Yep, I got to get your steps together and all of that. And my head ain't falling off. I got that baby pinned down. I ain't feel nothing in that church. Okay. You don't have to feel anything. Was it the word of God? Somebody say amen. Amen. And so he said, count the cost. Count the cost. Don't be in your feelings. Take up your cross. Identify with Christ. Be prepared to suffer. Be prepared to be isolated. Not because of some still, some virus. Be isolated because you're being persecuted for the cause of Christ. I want people to know I'm trusting Jesus. Uh, he said, build the ark. I'm building the ark. It ain't never rained. But if he said, build it, I'm going to start building. If he says, everything that has ever mattered to me as well, I'm leaving the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, when I know I should have been destroyed, I don't know about you, but I come out of Sodom and Gomorrah, I should have been destroyed. If he say, don't look back, I ain't looking back. I don't care about no Neiman Marcus. I don't care about my townhouse. I don't care about my mansion. If he say, don't look back, I ain't looking back. Well, my wife was mad at me today, and, and I tell you, she burned the food, and I slammed the door. But I hear Joshua say, ask for me in my house. I don't know about her, and I don't know about him, but ask for me. I'm not getting up in my emotions. I want to please him. I'm going to please him. Sometime the Lord will call us out and give us a chance to really Trust him. Really trust him. There were a group of people, there was a great magician who would always walk across the, who walked across the, the, the falls, and, and he put his companion inside of a, a barrel and then rolled the, the barrel across the falls and made it, and they said, you're great. And, Man, you're a miracle worker. And I can't imagine somebody being that great. He said, do you trust me? He said, oh, yeah, we trust you. Man, we just watched you do something incredible. He said, get in the barrel. I want you to understand that during times like this, the Lord is saying to Christians, I hear all of the noise, and I see what people are doing and and how people are acting, but here's what I want you to do. Get in the barrel. Trust me, because I have begun. I have begun. I have begun a good work, and what I've started in you, I'm going to finish it. I'm going to finish what I started. I'm going to finish What I started, true disciples must deal with hidden agendas. There's no limit to what this church can accomplish if our mandate is the Lord's mandate. And if we obey the mandate, we got a movement. We got a movement. Somebody say amen. A king, once a year, would visit a prison, and he would pardon some of the most hardened criminals. And so as he's walking through the prison, he he stops at individual cells and he says, why are you here? And the person inside said, well, 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 your your highness, I'm an innocent man and they just got me on false 
pretenses and the charges aren't true, he walked in the next cell. I said, I never did. I wasn't there. It couldn't have been me. I, they didn't have DNA at the time, and if they had DNA, they would have found it wasn't me. He walked to the next door. He went to about, he went to all of the men in the prison, and he got down to the final person. And he said, sir, why are you here? And I said, I'm guilty. I broke the law. I should be here. And there's no reason. He said, I'm giving you your pardon. And that man walked out as a free man. And then the other prisoner started clang, clang, clang. How are they getting out? He told the truth. He told the truth. The Lord knows what he, the Lord sees your thoughts. He knows your heart. Be, get real about your agenda. Get real about being honest. Qu check out your heart. Does it line up with the mandate? Because when whom the sun sets free. You, you're talking about being free. You're talking about coming out of bondage. I get a better job. No, 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 no. Get lined up with his mandate. If it's not that, come clean with the Lord. And then the Bible says you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Somebody say amen.